Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Do not, do not, do not touch that dial. You heard the man. It's time for Fox Sports Sunday. We've got a lot on the docket tonight. Let's get busy. On that note, put your seat backs forward, your tray tables upright. We are ready for takeoff. My name is Bernie Fratto. I'm coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern, along with my savvy and capable crew, Chris Perfett, Eric Kemp, and Kevin Figures on the updates as they man the ship from our Los Angeles compound. Yes, as usual, a ton on the agenda tonight. We've got NFL news, including Deshaun Watson, Pete Carroll, a Tiger Woods Masters analysis. The NBA playoffs are just around the corner. Magic Johnson chimed in. And, of course, what kind of brand new fool are you and what my name in the final hour of the show as well as Chris Perfett's report on the world of soccer. But first, baseball season is back and there's been a change that's been coming for a long time, whether you like it or not. And I want to take a quick nostalgic look at Major League Baseball because if things look a little bit different, well, they are. It all started April 6, 1973, when a player by the name of Ron Bloomberg of the New York Yankees, he got a call from his agent a couple months before and said, you're signing with the Yankees. 
you're going to be their DH. Bloomberg's response was, what's that? Designated Hebrew? And the rest is history. In that very first game for the Yankees, he got two hits. And by the way, they were playing the Red Sox, and another guy you may have heard of, Orlando Cepeda, was the DH for the Red Sox. And it was off and running. Well, virtually every league in the world, from high school, to Korean baseball, to Japanese baseball, to certainly the college ranks, and the minor leagues, and the American League, every league in the world has had the DH. The National League was the holdout. But they finally said goodbye in this latest CBA. So there is no more DH. And actually, to some people, this was a controversial era, a controversial era right? Although you still have Shohei Otani because he pitches and hits. But it doesn't really count as a hitting pitcher because he's too good. He's like Babe Ruth. He had 40, what, 47 home runs last year. You're not going to see the DH anymore. And, you know, I guess you could see a pitcher bat. If uh, I mean, you're not going to see the DH. You're not going to see pitchers hit anymore. <coughs> yes, a pitcher could bat. If, say, a game goes 18 innings and a team has no position players left or a position player gets hurt, but it's going to take something weird. Now, Max Scherzer, a pitcher, he actually said he's going to miss it because he likes hitting, and he likes running the bases, and it bothers him. And uh, although what's interesting is I think Max kind of wants to make up for what happened last year because he had a kind of a rough end to his hitting career. I think he was over 59 last year or something like that. But there are things... I thought I'd have a little fun with this because there are things you will never see anymore that, frankly, sort of contributed to what I believe makes baseball still the most romanticized game. It is our pastime. You pass the time. It's played every day. I get it's not as intensely popular as football. Football is played once a week. I'm not going <clears> to <throat> I'm not gonna engage, <clears throat> engage in that argument. I get it. Football is king, largely because of a betting, but... Here's some things you're never going to see again, and there are a lot of them, because there was something about the DH, if you paid attention, it was kind of nuts, it was magic, and now there's no chance for this kind of magic. For instance, now that pitchers aren't going to hit, you'll never see a pitcher hit two home runs on opening day. Yes, Madison Bumgarner, the only pitcher to do that, he did it in 2017. Now, Take guys like Adrian Beltre, who hit almost 500 home runs. Johnny Bench hit over 400 home runs. Neither one ever hit a home run on opening day. Madison Bumgarner hit two. And uh, the Hall of Fame asked him for his bat. He says, no, you're not getting my bat. I'm a pitcher, not a hitter. By the way, Bumgarner also hit two grand slams in his career, giving him as many as Pete Rose and Derek Jeter. And those two combined for 26,000 at-bats. You'll never see what Rick Wise did for the Phillies back in 1971. He not only threw a no-hitter, he hit two home runs in the game where he threw a no-hitter. By the way, you're never going to see a pitcher steal another base, most likely. And if you don't believe that's a thing, well, there was a guy back in the day named Wild Bill Donovan. He stole 34 bases one year. And there was actually Don Newcomb, the great Don Newcomb of the Dodgers. He not only hit two home runs and stole a base in a game, he once stole three bases in a game. So there were all these, I'm just getting started. I mean, how about, there was a pitcher back in 2002 by the name of Dennis Tankersley. He recorded his first Major League victory and had his first Major League home run in the same game. 
Never he played two more seasons. That's it. Never won another game. Never hit another home run. You'll never see the following trivia question that'll come close to this one. Who was the last American League switch hitter to win the MVP? Yes, it was Vida Blue, pitcher for the Oakland A's back in 1971, two years before the DH was born. You'll never see a hilarious relief pitcher, a guy by the name of Larry Anderson, who's not a good hitter, explain that why back in 1988 when he started out two for two by saying, if I'm one for one, this guy was serious. If I'm one for one, I'm hitting a 1,000. So if I'm two for two, shouldn't I be hitting 2,000? That way, if I make an out in my next at bat, my average will only drop to 1,500. Yeah, can't make this stuff up, right? How about Mike Flanagan, the great Baltimore pitcher who actually reached first base once, and his first base coach, Jim Fry, told him, Mike, I know you're not used to running the bases, so keep your left foot on the bag and get as big a league as you can with your right foot. And Wally Backman, who he wasn't trying to be funny, he said when he asked uh, who on the slumping 2021 Mets he would want at the plate in the key situation, he said Jacob DeGrom. Throughout the years, there has been, I mean, there have been so many stories involving pitchers hitting. Did you know you once had a pitcher hit a home run off his brother? Joe Necro hit a home run off of Phil Necro. And by the way, it was the only home run Joe actually hit in 1165 plate appearances. There was a pitcher named Storm Davis who went one for 16 in his major league career as a hitter. He said he was a good hitter in high school. He said he hit 450 in high school, but everybody hits 450 in high school. Well, not actually, that's not even true. Not everybody does hit, hit 450 in high school. You'll never see the discussion again about how curious it is that exceptionally rare for a position player to bat right-handed and throw left-handed. But every year, a couple dozen pitchers, and Ricky Henderson, by the way, the only position player in recent memory I can remember that did that, Randy Johnson, Sandy Koufax, Tommy John, they all batted right-handed but threw left-handed. You'll never have another clubhouse scene like this. In 1999, Braves pitcher John Smoltz came racing out of the clubhouse and grabbed a writer and said, I know I have more walks as a hitter than any active pitcher. I know I do. Can you find stuff like that? Can you find it for me? He was really serious about wanting people to know that statistic. Sure enough, the writer found it for him. You'll never see a pitcher set a record for futility hitting. The Tigers had a pitcher once named Eduardo Rodriguez, who was 0 for 26 in his career, so have no shot of making the major league record by Randy Tate for the most career at bats, 41, without a hit. Only needed 15 more at-bats to get there. Um, you know, you'll never have – how about Zach Grinke? Now, he's not a guy who talks a lot about – who talks a lot, but he said last season he was so looking forward to hitting his next home run, which would have been home run number 10 for his career, and now he won't. It's also unlikely he'll steal another base, which also would have been the 10th stolen base of his career and would have made him the fifth pitcher with at least 1,500 innings and the first since Bob Gibson to have 10 home runs and 10 career steals. Now, the truth of the matter is there are a lot of people that aren't going to miss it. Charlie Morton, one of the Braves pitchers, said, I'm not going to miss it. I don't think anybody wants to watch me strike out in three pitches and head back to the dugout 90, 98 times uh, out of 100. But then again, you'll never have another day like we had just last year on May 13th. The Braves had a pitcher... By the name of Huascar Yanoa, he had a grand slam, the second start in a row that he had homered. 
The same day in his first at bat in pro ball, White Sox pitcher Dylan Cease went three for three, meaning he posted a three-hit game that season before Mookie Betts or DJ LeMahieu, many other position players. I think I've made my point. The truth of the matter is, not everybody likes the DH, and a lot of people love the DH. One of the great arguing points having to do with Major League Baseball circa 1921, 2021, and before going back to 1973. But now the National League has it. So we got some baseball fans in our crew. Let's bring the crew in, and we'll talk to them. Do you like the DH? Do you not like the DH? Do you have any memory of pitchers hitting? Do you wish they'd never hit? Would you like to see him hit? Does it take away the double switch and the manager and the strategy? Are you a purist? We'll break it down with our crew coming up. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Keep it locked. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday and Fox Sports Radio. Hey, it's Ben, host of The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller. It would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is The Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of The Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to get Creighton, you know, watch Creighton. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? The whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. We're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. We will take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific. 6 a.m. Eastern, talking about the death of the DH in Major League Baseball. And uh, I could literally spend three or four hours regaling stories of the oddities uh, that you will never see again because there's no longer going to be DH. For instance, you know Billy Martin once used a pitcher as a DH back in 1988? Yeah, Rick Roden, who was a pretty good hitting pitcher, he started him at DH against the Orioles, but he batted him seventh. 
ahead of shortstop Rafael Santana and their catcher, Joel Skinner. And, yeah, they were pissed that they were hit behind a pitcher. But interestingly enough, Rick Roden hit a sacrifice fly to win the game, and he was credited with the game-winning RBI. Then there's poor Max Scherzer that I mentioned a minute ago. He's going to miss it. He's going to miss hitting because Max Scherzer was actually a good hitter for a pitcher. He has a career 168 batting average. He only has one homer and 30 RBIs, three stolen bases. Was never caught stealing. But here's the kicker. Last year, in his final season that he got to hit, Max went 0 for 59. It's come up in some interviews. He's not happy about it. And the only players in Major League history to have a worse hitless season and I remember the one guy, Bob Buell, went 0 for 62 back in the 60s. Never heard of Bill Wright. He went 0 for 61. You just know that Max doesn't want to end it that way. Maybe they'll find a way to get him on a bat at some time this year for the, as the Mets, uh, for the Mets, uh, for nostalgic purposes. But I digress. Okay, let's bring in the crew. We got some good baseball fans here. They got some thoughts on this. Kevin Figures. Do you like the DH? Did you not like it? Uh, and your thoughts on Major League Baseball on a go-forward basis? Um, I like the DH. Honestly, Bernie, the big thing for me is uniformity across the sport. And I've always had this conflict with having the one league with one rule and the other league with another. So whether or not the pitchers were going to hit or there was going to be a universal DH on both sides, I just wanted uniformity one way or the other. Uh, there's part of me that does appreciate the strategy of the game in determining whether or not to leave a pitcher in or pinch hit for him. Uh, but I understand the player side, too, and creating more jobs for, for our players, especially veteran players, who can clean up on the back end of their careers, like Albert Pujols, who can mm. now go back home in DH in St. Louis when he couldn't have done that prior. But to answer your question, that's a long way of saying I think I'd prefer to have a universal DH, but most importantly, I just like having uniformity across both leagues. Well, fair enough. And uh, interestingly enough, I, that uh, demarcation where you had you know the DH in the American League and not in the National League, I made for some interesting contrasts in terms of how teams would assemble their rosters. Now, are you a Dodgers fan, Kevin? I'm an, I'm an Angel fan. I grew up an, Angel, an Angel fan. fan. I don't okay. dislike the Dodgers, but I grew up an Angel fan. Okay, the only reason I ask is, uh, so for, you know, we've had interleague play since 97. And in the American League Park, if a National League team is the visiting, uh, was a visiting team prior to the Universal DH being implemented with the new CBA, the National League got to have that extra hitter in the lineup. So being an Angel fan, maybe that's a bit of a disadvantage when a National League team visited. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think there was always an element of fun when, say, the Angels would go on the road and travel to, you know, go to Los Angeles and play the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium. And you'd have a pitcher uh, who you don't or isn't used to handling the bat, having to bat as well. I think it puts just kind of every team at a, at a bit of a disadvantage to have different rules uh, across the different leagues. So while it might be fun, to see someone who usually doesn't bat get up there a couple of times a year, uh, I think it's ultimately best for the players because I think it's not safe necessarily for a pitcher in the American League who's going to have eight at-bats in an entire season who doesn't really know what he's doing up there. If he gets on the bases, he ended up injuring himself. Uh, I, I think it's better for the sport to have the DH and not have pitchers hit. And you know what? You just nailed it. Maybe you already knew the story or maybe unknowingly. One of the things that got this going was Jacob DeGrom, who makes about $38 million a year, he had an injury last year where he missed a bunch of starts, and it started by overswinging and tweaking his oblique muscle. Now, it wasn't that specific injury that caused him to miss games, but it exacerbated future stress and wear and tear on the muscle. So the more he pitched, it got worse, and then he had to miss a bunch of starts. And so I know that for a fact during the CBA this year, they talked about, hey, 
We don't want our ace stud who's making $38 million a year swinging a bat. So you're right on that, uh, on Kevin. Uh, Chris Perfett. So I, I like having the universal DH. I think that, you know, Kevin hit on it a lot that it's there, there's a, there, it's a good thing to have uniformity. More than anything, players get to play longer, be it Pujols going back to the, the, the Cardinals, where he, which he couldn't. But also, I wanted to hit on this as far as like when we're talking about strategy. I almost feel like the evolution of pitching already has pretty much killed the DH because people talk, I mean, uh, pitchers pitching, I guess. Um, because we talk about, I hear this from National League fans a lot about how there was a strategy about how long do you leave a pitcher in and how to pull off a double sh- a double switch, which, like, A, that last part's easy. You just switch a guy. Like, come on. But the, the thing is that, though, Bernie, starters aren't going as long anymore. We're seeing the evolutions of bullpens where pitchers are now, they're, they're not going seven or eight innings if you're the starter. You're coming out after five or six, and it's no longer a bullpen for late innings. It's almost a bullpen for the second half of a game. So a lot of that quote-unquote strategy of when a pitcher batted is was gone already. So I think the DH was inevitable at that point. So, yeah, it creates more jobs for more players. The strategy of, of switching was already gone. And to be honest, as many stories as we can gin up about a pitcher uh, at bat, there's a thousand more cases every year where a pitcher gets up, and that is the key where it's time to go get another beer because they ain't gonna you know, do, yeah. they ain't gonna do bubkiss. Well, here's what's interesting. I, I told this story uh, about a year ago on the year. I want to give a, a gentleman who just tweeted it, Tad Daly. The Tad Daly he tweeted in about one of the uh, more uh, infamous stories uh, having to do with the San Francisco Giants and their their pitcher Gaylord Perry, who was most notably noted for his spitball, uh, but this is a true story, and it's kind of funny because the Giants were managed by Alvin Dark, and the truth of the matter is, you're not wrong, I know you kind of set a tongue-in-cheek, but pitcher comes up, you go get your beer or whatever, a lot of folks don't want to see pitchers hit, including managers, now they were taught to hit in spring training, and it worked on that you want to help yourself, right, but truth of the matter is, rarely did it work. Yeah, usually they're going up to bunt. They should be. But if there's no one on base, right, then, then what are you going to do? But the, you're, you're not wrong. You try to help yourself. But Gaylord Perry played in an era where he you know, was well before the, the, the DH. He had over 1,000 at-bats in his career. And I'm telling you, you know, he, he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. His OPS, which wasn't a stat they even used in, was minus 10. That's how bad it was. And he got ragged on pretty good by the media. He got dragged down uh, by his manager. And what was interesting is Perry could actually hit well during batting practice. He would hit home runs during batting practice, and they don't know why he couldn't do it in the game. Well, let me cut to the chase. So his manager, Alvin Dark, jokingly said in 1969, Gaylord, you may be hitting home runs in batting practice, but we'll land a man on the moon before you hit a home run. And wouldn't you know it, on July 26, 1969, Gaylord Perry, now he was in his 30s, established himself as one of the best pitchers and the worst hitters against the Dodgers, hits a home run 30 minutes before we land a man on the moon. True story. One of those crazy baseball stories and folklore that you can't make up. It is true. All right, uh, Eric Kemp, why don't you jump in? Welcome to the show. Hey, Bernie. Well, uh, my thoughts on the matter, I mean, honestly, we're basically covered by figures and perfect here. Um, 
having a universal DH is great for the players, right? They get to extend their careers. Um, and then to profess point, like when a batter or when a pitcher gets up to bat, everybody's just getting up off their seat. Nobody wants to see that, right? Um, granted, I'm from Colorado. I'm a big Rockies guy. And so seeing Herman Marquez, you know, hit a couple dingers and, and see pitchers rake, it's fun. It's great for a highlight reel. But nobody really wants to see that, and like you said, to the point of managers then getting to kind of play around with their lineup and their roster a little bit more. It offers them that flexibility. My point would be is that it's just, it's kind of a no-brainer for those of the kind of the, for those of us that are fans of the current MLB, um, I get that baseball purists might have some things to say about um, having a DH or not having a DH. It's to me, it's kind of like when the NL Central had six teams and the AL, the AL doesn't, you know, had one less team. It's like just move the team over. So for having uniformity, it was just kind of one of those no-brainer situations, in my opinion. You know what's interesting is the baseball fans, baseball historians, baseball purists and non-purists will completely argue this point forever without ever coming to a conclusion. Was baseball, is the DH good for baseball or is it bad for baseball? And there are plenty of people that actually think that the DH is bad for baseball. And interestingly enough, when it was instituted back in 1973, it was only intended to be a three-year trial. And the, the traditionalists held out hope that the trial and all those suits and the muckety-mucks would realize and say, this is a bad experiment gone wrong. No such luck. They actually ratified it for good in 1976. And for a lot of folks, they felt that it became gimmicky. But the truth of the matter is a lot of fans liked it and and i think that what what had happened was we all know in every offense and every check that in every sport offense is what sells and i know that something along these lines had been talked about in the 60s because the pitchers dominated in the 60s of course 1968 the year of the pitcher denny mclean won 31 games bob gibson had the microscopic can you imagine a pitcher having a 1.12 era for an entire season so by the time 1969 rolled around, the truth of the matter is people talked about doing something to create more offense, but it was always met on the other side. Hey, for 100 years, baseball's humming along just fine. Nine guys field, nine guys hit. Pitchers, yeah, they're weaker hitters. So what? Your kickers aren't expected to make tackles in pro football, but they don't run off the field so that a designated tackler can run on and make a tackle on a kickoff. There's all kinds of arguments. It will never be settled. It's a matter of preference. But I think to everybody's point, we all sort of realize, including me, that it's an idea whose time has come. Coming up, I want to talk about the Tiger Woods injury and compare it to Ben Hogan's two historians. Yes, it's similar, but as Yogi Berra would say, they have different similarities. But first, let's go to the band. Yes, the dulcet tones and comedic stylings of Kevin Figures. All right, Bernie, since we're talking baseball, we'll start there from Saturday night. The nightcap saw Noah Syndergaard outduel Justin Verlander. Angels defeating the Astros 2-0. Mike Trout hitting his first home run of the season there. Connor Joe, a home run to lift Colorado over the Dodgers 3-2. Three hits for Marcelo Zuna, a 2-1 Braves victory over the Reds. Kyle Gibson struck out 10 in seven innings of work as Philadelphia defeated Oakland. Mets shut out Washington 5-0. Wins for Seattle, San Diego, Miami, and the Yankees who beat Boston 
four to two. Third round at the Masters, Scotty Scheffler bogeyed four times on the back nine, but still has a three-stroke lead over Cameron Smith, who was four under for the round. Tiger Woods had five bogeys and two double bogeys and tumbled into 22nd place with a six over 78, the worst score of his career at Augusta. In the NBA, John Morant scored 21 points in his return to Memphis as they defeated New Orleans. Warriors a 100-94 victory over San Antonio. Joel Embiid 14 of 17 from the field, 41 points and 20 rebounds as the 76ers defeated the Pacers. Back to Bernie Fratto. Okay, thanks so much, Kevin. Appreciate that. All right, Tiger Woods will continue to be the reason I will watch on Sunday, although I do want to see the showdown uh, with the two finalists, Scotty Scheffler. Look, it's inevitable in history that this, as time passes, will be compared to the Ben Hogan accident, and, and people need to know the similarities, but there's also some differences. And Back in 1949, I mean, and by the way, the passage of time can incredibly change perspectives because a year ago, there were many folks predicting that Tiger Woods was done. I was not one of them, but that was the narrative last February and March. Once again, this is a triumph of the human spirit. Don't ever bet against this guy. But in 1949, Ben Hogan, while driving uh, with his wife, was hit head-on by a bus in a, in a fog. It was in Texas. He saw the bus coming. He actually threw himself across his wife in the passenger seat, but in doing so, Hogan exposed himself to the brunt of the collision, and his pelvis was broken in two places. He had fractures of the collarbone, ankle, rib. He had blood clots. He was in a hospital for 60 days. But by November of that year, nine months later, he actually played the Los Angeles Open and lost in, a, uh, in an 18-hole playoff to Sam Snead and then ended up winning the U.S. Open next summer, the following summer, which would have been mm, about 18 months later. Now, very similar. Doctor said Hogan might never walk again, but like Tiger, he he uh, he struggled to walk the courses at first, but then he managed to get stronger again, and and uh, and obviously he had even won majors. Tiger, comparatively, two leg fractures, one compound. The doctors described as a shattered ankle, very serious injuries. Fortunately, not life threatening, but nonetheless very very serious. Okay. Long and short of it is, for Tiger Woods now, the fact that he just plays and competes, and I mean really competes, he's just a marvel to watch. I don't care if he ever wins again, I will continue to watch him. He doesn't need to win again. His legacy is secure. And the reason I bring up Hogan is because if you're expecting Woods to come back like Hogan did and win six more majors, I want to share with you some key differences, all right? These are key differences. Tiger Woods was nine years older than Ben Hogan at the time of the respective accidents. Woods was 45. Ben Hogan is, was 36. That's a decade, man. That's 10 full years just about. Now, Ben Hogan did not have a history of previous injuries prior to the accident. Meanwhile, Tiger, and remember, he had just come off back, in, back surgery. He had numerous back surgeries, numerous knee surgeries, including his fifth back procedure on December 23rd, uh, this was 2020, what, 60 days before the accident? Can you imagine that coming off a major back surgery and 60 days later uh, having this accident? And the truth of the matter is there was questions when he had the back surgery then that he would even play in the Masters last year or even the Players Tournament. Very questionable. By the way, Ben Hogan also drastically curbed his playing schedule after the accident 
over the next 10 years after the accident, and he played a total of 39 PGA Tour events, not even four a year, and never more than six in any one year. <coughs> Plus, yeah. Excuse me. Ben Hogan restricted. He selected only majors and favored tournaments such as the, you know, the Colonial Invitational and Riviera people where he had connections with. But, but what is possibly working in Tiger Woods' favor would be the advances in medicine and physical rehabilitation as he continues to rehab to get back to 100%. Because remember, there's a 70-year difference between the two accidents. And the truth of the matter is, Tiger has, I think, more things at his disposal now. But what's interesting is even if you look back a year ago, uh, a gentleman by the name of Turner Vossier of the Jacksonville Orthopedic Institute, uh, and he's a team physician for the Jacksonville Jaguars, he basically said, quote, it's going to be a lot to overcome. He estimated that a patient with Woods injuries would need 6 to 12 weeks before putting any weight on his legs and similar time for rehabilitation. He said, quote, that's the most optimistic hope. Sounds very much like what Alex Smith went through, but athletes like Tiger and Alex Smith, well, you know, don't compare them to normal human beings. They do things that are did other people do can do. Hogan did it, and there's no question that Tiger's got an iron will, and he proved it these last few days. He has come back from these injuries, and, and the truth of the matter is, again, if you go back and look at these these quotes from doctors and the like, they said he's going to have to go through a hell of a rehab just to be able to walk with his kids on the beach. Well, interestingly enough, ironically enough, the only tr- issue that Tiger is having is walking. Because if you look at his swing, it looks pretty good to me. If you, you know, to actually, if you watched, if you honestly watched today's round, Tiger struck the ball well. He had a few mishaps. His only issue was on the green, and that happens. Sometimes you just can't make your hands do what you want them to do. It happens in baseball. It happens in basketball. It's called fatigue. He is physically fatigued. Plus, it was cold as hell out there today. You saw these guys all bundled up and layered up. Tiger would get to the green. He had, what, three three-putts and a four-putt? You cut that in half, and he's near down near par. This is all my way of saying is I'm not only shocked that Tiger came back and play to play as well as he did. And, yes, he was 10 years older than Ben Hogan, Hogan went on to have a very good career, win six more majors, but again, he only played a total of 39 more events the rest of his career. I bet Tiger will play that many. He's he's just not done yet. I don't get the sense he's done yet. When the weather warms up and when he gets back into the groove of his game and the mental outlook and, and sort of the psychodynamic of playing in a tournament and understanding competing on that level against other pros... I'm, I am not predicting that Tiger is going to win another major. I am not predicting. I don't know. He may not even win another tournament. But the fact that he's in there competing and making it interesting for everybody else, that in and of itself is worth the price of admission, if you ask me. All right, coming up, we're going to bring you back out to Vegas. We've got a full slate of NBA games tomorrow. So how do you bet the NBA in the final season when some of them are getting ready to go home, some of them are getting ready for the playoffs and everything in between, how do you gauge motivation? Bring you back out to Vegas, Mackenzie Phil or Mackenzie Rivers. Mackenzie Phillips, what is wrong with me? I haven't even been drinking, folks. Mackenzie Rivers, Mackinac Sports. We'll talk about the Sunday NBA slate, which is just hours away.
I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Don't go away. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance... Stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. We're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bertie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. At this time, we bring you back out to Vegas. Mackenzie Rivers, Mackinac Sports. Mackenzie, you said earlier, full NBA slate tomorrow. And I got to tell you, it's a little daunting. Of all the games, eight featured double-digit lines and three are north of 15. How do you handicap that? How do you handicap the last day of the NBA regular season in a word, Bernie? Carefully. I expect many lines to move drastically as – Teams have to make decisions and change their decisions. So I broke it down here, 30 teams active, every team active. There's teams that care, teams that might care. We'll get to that, Boston Celtics being one of them at the Grizzlies. And then teams that don't care at all. We probably won't get to them. Anyway, the Utah Jazz are 19.5-point favorites at the Portland Trailblazers tomorrow. They need to win. And how do you know they need to win? Well, the Vegas market is telling you nobody not the Golden State Warriors, not Michael Jordan's Bulls. Nobody that I can see in a database dating back to the early 90s has ever been a 19-and-a-half road favorite. That's what the Utah Jazz are. That's what Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, with all their drama, they are in a position because they need the win, and the Portland Trailblazers don't need anything but to, you know, revamp their season for next year. Okay, hold that thought, but you don't get any brownie points if you win by 20 and Utah is only 3-7 and seven against the number in their last 10, they could go in there and be leading by 18 in the fourth quarter and, and dial it down and win by 12 and be just as happy. No? Yes, yes. You're, you're making a good point. And the Jazz in particular have been a team that, after a loss, they're under 30% ATS, just had a crushing loss to the Suns where they're up 20 entering the fourth. Suns have been the best clutch team by far all season. The Jazz, for a good team, have been pretty pathetic. So I think there's something going on with that team. I would not touch the 19-and-a-half, but there's nothing about the Portland Trailblazers I want to invest in either. The, the another Lakers, team, yeah, go ahead. Go you, ahead. You, you're, you go right ahead. Well, the Sixers are another team that's highly motivated. They're 15-point favorites. Let's just assume they win. 
because that's when it gets really, really interesting. So the Celtics right now, they're in the third spot. They have to watch the Bucks play the Cavs. No Giannis, no Lopez, no Middleton. The Bucks are not sending many people to Cleveland. They're six-and-a-half-point dogs to Cleveland because if they lose, they don't get the second seed. Second seed means the Brooklyn Nets, Kevin Durant, best player in the world. The Celtics are in this, they're in this damned if they do, damned if they don't position. If the, Let's say the Bucks win. All right, now if I'm the Celtics, I'm playing the Grizzlies. I'm at one-and-a-half-point favorite. I could either win the game and play the Brooklyn Nets, you know, one of the best power-rated teams in the league, a team that eliminated me in five games last year, a team with the best player in the world. All right, that's if I beat the Grizzlies in Memphis. If I lose, I don't get the third seed anymore. That would be the Sixers. I fall to the fourth seed if I'm the Celtics. That means I'm going to Toronto where not one but two Celtics starters would not be able to play road games reportedly Jalen Brown and Al Horford would not be on that on that plane the reason I looked at the Philadelphia game is because the Sixers clearly have an incentive to win they don't have the tiebreaker against Boston they got the same record so they want to win and the Pistons actually have a slight incentive to lose if you get my drift but their coach <laughs> Dwayne Casey has already said hey we want to we want to win tomorrow right the Pistons are getting 15. Well, I see 14 and a half in some shops, 15 in some shops. But they're actually a pretty good road against the spread team. I actually feel you might get a little value on Detroit tomorrow. They're going to play loosey-goosey. Yes, they got nothing to lose, and they've had nothing to lose except for, you know, lottery balls, as you as you hinted towards. But they don't care. They've been a wise die darling since the All-Star break, especially in yeah. the first half. Had won at one point 18 of 19 against the spreads in the first half. I think they'll give the Sixers a fight, but ah, man, if I'm if I'm the Celtics, I just I think I lose that game. I think I'd rather play Toronto without my guys. I think I lose to Memphis. I think I sit Tatum. Obviously no there's no shenanigans. Nobody's, you know, greasing balls or anything, but they just opt to not play players like we've seen before. I think if I'm the Celtics and the Sixers win and the Bucks win, which the Vegas market says is likely I think I'd rather go to Toronto with half my guys than have to play the Brooklyn Nets, but I could easily see someone making the opposite decision. Hey, if you want to win the championship and if you go to NBA 538 right now, no team is even close to the chance to win the championship that the Boston Celtics are right now. That's how good they are with the numbers and the trend line. I mean, whether you believe those analytics or not, the Celtics are favored against the field to win the championship at 538 right now. That means you got to beat everybody. To do it all, that means you got to beat the Nets and you got to beat the Bucks and you got to beat the Suns eventually. But man, having your season on the line versus Kevin Durant round one is not something that I'd be looking forward to. So, and by the way, you're right. Memphis is really good and they play the game with joy and they're, they look good doing it and they're a highlight film and they're catching two tomorrow at home. But the game I, we haven't talked about at all because I don't trust this team as far as I can throw them. Brooklyn laying 15 and a half against Indiana. Brooklyn, you know how many games Brooklyn has covered against the number this year at home? Ten. They're ten and thirty against the number at home, and now you're laying fifteen and a half against an Indiana team that probably won't win, but they could put up a fight. Yeah, they got no fans in Brooklyn. Knicks, Knicks fans go to go to Brooklyn to to boo them for some reason. They got no uh, mojo uh, at Barclays at all. In fact. Uh, they won. They beat the Cavs. They came back and, and won and covered the spread in their last game. Before that, they had gone one and twenty-one at home. The Brooklyn Nets against the spread, just ten. Just now, okay, okay, after, after the Cavs win, they're now eleven and twelve 
straight up. Uh, interesting because if if they get that win, which they're favored to do, 15 and a half point favorites, then they're the seventh seed where they host that playing game, but they've That's done it. much better on the road. So maybe it's not as important to them as it might be for a, a different team. <laughs> well, no, you're right. If Brooklyn wins, they have this, they currently have the same record as Cleveland, but they own the head-to-head tiebreaker uh, when, when they beat the Cavs the other night. So if they if the Nets clinch the seventh seed, they will only need to win a play-in game at home to advance to the main draw of the postseason. So uh, there is incentive, but again, you're paying a hell of a tax there. All right, yeah, how the, can you lay it? How can you lay it with the Nets? You just can't. I mean, one in twenty-one. I think for the rest of the regular season, you have to say pass or dog. The the bet I do want to make in that game, and this is why I say it's carefully because this line is not out yet. The the, the bookmakers are careful. That means there's opportunity, but you got to know you got to know where to strike. I like this game over. The Pacers have mm-hmm. been allowing 131 points to their opponents all season. I've talked about this before. Rick Carl's like, let me see what I got on offense. Let me see what I got playing run and gun like I used to with the Mavericks. And their defense has been last in the league. By a, with a bullet since the All Star break. Have you and seen I a total in that game, by the way? Because exactly, that's what I'm saying. This total's well, not out. I, I projected around you, 235. Okay, that's well, you because know, I think reason, it's going to race up when it comes out. Well, the reason I mentioned that is because when these two teams locked horns a few weeks ago, Brooklyn won by eight, but the total ended up on 251 points. So you would think if you get a 235, you're going to get a favorable number. And it's the right? last day of it's the last day of the season. It's the last day of school. There is absolutely no defense necessary for these teams that are entering the lottery. They're going to be running and they're going to be gunning. All right, McKenzie, good stuff. We'll we'll talk in an hour. Day four of the Masters. There's some angles and trends and numbers to chop up there. So we'll see you in an hour. In the meantime, coming up, Deshaun Watson. He kind of had a rough week last week. It might have been under the radar, but trust me, Deshaun Watson had a rough week. I'll break it down for you. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Keep it locked. Fox Sports Sunday and Fox Sports Radio. The Fox Sports Sunday train keeps rolling right along. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. ton of stuff to get to. In about an hour, America's favorite. What kind of brand new fool are you? Followed, of course, by what my name Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. We've got a lot of show to get to. But we got to play the hits. And one of the hits has to do with Deshaun Watson and the National Football League. Inquiring minds want to know. Because things go quiet. And when they go quiet, you wonder, well, is there a settlement? Uh, what's going to happen? Is Roger Goodell going to step in? How many games might Deshaun miss? Will Cleveland live to regret the $230 million? Dollar contract that's guaranteed, or might Deshaun Watson lead him to a Super Bowl? None of that we can even address right now because Deshaun Watson, as the weeks in and as the weeks go by on the calendar, he is heavily enmeshed in these civil lawsuits. And in this past week, Deshaun Watson found out that he will now have to answer whether he had sex with the 18 additional therapists who actually came to his defense about his massage habits last year. This is according to a ruling by a Texas judge. Now, as you know, Deshaun Watson, he has 22 civil lawsuits he's defending. Of those civil complaints, 13 were criminal complaints. However, the grand ju- jury and you, two grand juries ruled there would be no criminal charges forthcoming, so he's only got to deal with the 22 civil complaints only. Ha. Well... 
There were 18 other therapists that he employed their services. They did not sue him. In fact, they defended him. But now a judge wants to know what were his habits with them. So, as I mentioned, Watson is being sued by 22 other women who have accused him of sexual misconduct during these massage sessions that all took place in 2020 and again in early 2021. And as part of the pre-trial discovery process in these lawsuits, attorneys have sought to have Watson answer written requests for admission, written requests for admission about whether or not he had sex with the 18 therapists who publicly supported him back when this whole thing started in March of 2021. Now, Deshaun Watson has previously refused to answer these questions. His uh, position was that this was a harassment. This was harassing these, the nature of these questions. They were private. He considered the, the, the private and not relevant. Uh, and his, his attorneys have objected because he's involved, again, the 18 women who are not suing him. But the plaintiff's attorneys countered by saying it will help show Watson's pattern and motives in seeking massages with dozens of different women, many of whom he met on social media. So they asked the court to compel Deshaun Watson to answer these questions, which led to a hearing Tuesday between the two sides, and it was pretty contentious. Now, these hearings were presided by a Harris County District Judge by the name of Rabia Sultan Collier, and she decided in favor of the plaintiffs overruling the objection by Deshaun Watson's attorney in these particular issues, someone named Leah Graham. Now, the judge didn't explain her reasoning, despite a request to do so by Graham. Here's how the transcript went from Deshaun Watson's defense attorney, Leah Graham. Quote, Your Honor, this is information we feel strongly is not discoverable. <coughs> this was said during the hearing in Houston, which was also shown online. But for the clarity of the record, please help us understand the basis of the reasoning why these answers would be relevant and why these answers would be discoverable. The judge merely said, sorry, objection overruled. Thank you. Which the judge has got in the court of law, but probably not the answer that Leah Graham wanted to hear. Now, the plaintiff's attorneys also succeeded in their quest to compel Watson to produce certain other information about the history of the massages going back to 2019, as well as any language about any massages in his contract with the Houston Texans. They're all over the board here. So Watson's previous team, the judge gave Watson 30 days to reply. The plaintiffs have really put the full court press on him. Quote, we will continue to force Mr. Watson to answer our questions and reveal the full parameters of his conduct. The plaintiff's attorney, you, this name you've heard, Tony Busby, he sent an email afterward. Now, Leah Graham, Watson's attorney, did not return any messages when she, you know, she was asked for comment after the, uh, after the hearing. The plaintiff's attorneys, however, did not succeed in their quest to compel Watson to answer any questions about any sexual relations he had with specific additional women who have not even come forward publicly in this case, period. This is where the judge did draw the line in her decision on the matter. Have they come forward publicly or not? If they haven't, then they're not in play. But in the case of the 18 therapists at issue, these are ones that are not suing them, 
they did come out in public to support Watson publicly one year ago in statements that had been released by Watson's uh, chief attorney, Rusty Harden. They said, quote, that Watson never made them feel uncomfortable during their interactions, unlike the other 22 women who are suing him. Now, Harden's strategy with releasing the information at the time, apparently, was to try to take some heat off of his client. But a year later, now that's opened the door. Watson must answer more about the histories with those 18 women as his attorney opened the door. We don't know where this is going to go. Now, again, Watson's attorneys are calling this a fishing expedition by the plaintiffs and not relevant to any specific allegations in the individual lawsuits. But the plaintiff's attorney, a lady by the name of Cornelia Branfield, disagreed. She told the judge that Watson, quote, went to massage therapy sessions intending to have sex, intending to do something else, not have a massage. That was her statement, end quote. This is the heart of the case, she said. She also added, we're not asking whether he had sex with anybody in the whole world, instead with specific therapists, like the 18 who had voluntarily, voluntarily, publicly, identified themselves. Now, after 10 women filed police complaints against him in the two grand juries in earlier this month in Texas, they declined to indict Watson on criminal charges, so those cases appear to have gone by the wayside. But here's the other kicker. You know, the wheels of justice grind slowly. You know this. But these other 22 civil lawsuits, they're, they're proceeding at their own pace and do you realize these might not even go to trial until the calendar year 2023? That is entirely possible. So, even if Watson's allowed to play, even if he's not suspended, or whether he plays 14 games instead of 17 or whatever, he's going to have this looming over his head. Now, Watson recently said he never assaulted or harassed or disrespected any women uh, after, you know, that press conference after he got the $230 million guaranteed contract. <coughs> and his, his attorney, Rusty Harden, said a big reason Watson saw so many different women was because, quote, the spas were shut down during the pandemic. All right, that, that, that feels a little, little bit like a little bit of a stretch, right? But be that as it may, here's the moral of the story. The walls are closing in a little bit on Deshaun Watson, and they're forcing him to be far more, well, what's the word I'm looking for? you know, far more open as to the parameters of what has taken place. And it's designed to, I guess, you know, death by a thousand cuts, I guess. At the end of the day, I don't know what's going to happen here. Frankly, I would have thought Watson would settle this without any admission, if that's available. I don't know. This is a very nuanced lawsuit because it's not a class action suit. So you've got 22 individuals and their representation and it's not so clean. But as every week goes by, I guess the moral of the story is this. They're no closer to getting this resolved. As a matter of fact, they may be further away from getting this resolved. And you have to wonder how that's going to play in Cleveland. We're a couple of weeks from May. OTAs. From there, you'll be 60 days away from July in camp. How's this going to play when camp starts? Because, as I just said, this is nowhere near being over. Deshaun Watson has to answer even more questions. I guess you could say he had a bit of a rough week. Someone else who had a little bit of a rough week too because he was 
getting a little pushback for comments he made was Magic Johnson. But as far as I'm concerned, when Magic Johnson talks, I listen. I'll tell you what he had to say about the Lakers and LeBron James this past week. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studio. Stick and stay. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. We're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto. Coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. And uh, you heard McKenzie and I earlier talking about the playing games in the playoffs. The Lakers won't have to worry about that. They've got a nice little break ahead of them, and I'm sure they're not too happy about that. And that's not even the bad news. Uh, You know, the last time the Lakers missed the playoffs, which was LeBron's first year, at least at that point, they had the number four draft pick, Brandon Ingram, and they had cap space. What did they do with all that? They turned it into Anthony Davis. The bottom line, they're a long way from relevancy anytime soon. And before I get to Magic Johnson's thought this week, I want to refresh your memory. Uh, you can talk about the Lakers and uh, the, the excuse that they, they had injuries and you know LeBron missed 22 games and Davis missed 39. and Yeah, okay, that didn't help. The Lakers were not the only team to have injury issues this year. Look at Denver. Their problems were much deeper. Look at Golden State. It's part of the game. And by the way, if you're scoring at home, and I hope you are, the Lakers went 11-11 and in those games that they had a full-strength roster, including when Anthony Davis and LeBron James played together. They played 22 games together, and they were 500. And by the way, they were outscored this year with both Anthony Davis and LeBron James on the court together. And in case you've already forgotten, in the biggest game of the season with everyone playing, the Lakers lost at home to the New Orleans Pelicans, who were 34-43 and at the time. So, excuses? You want to bring them? Here's the issue. How about solutions? What are you going to do? What are you going to do with this team? Because it's not merely as easy as just run it back and hope LeBron and Davis are healthy. I give James credit. He showed some superhuman tendencies this year. He had an all-NBA caliber season. He's 37 years old. The man's got limits, all right? He only played 
in 56 games this year and 45 games the year before. The man has logged over 64,000 NBA minutes when you include his playoffs. That's a lot of wear and tear on that lower body. And it doesn't seem realistic that in any season going forward, you can really expect LeBron to play more than 65 games, especially if they have aspirations of getting to the playoffs and winning another championship. Anthony Davis continues to be an absolute mystery. He's 29 years old. He should be in his prime, but he only played 73 games the last two seasons combined. And his numbers are not good. I'm not going to give you his numbers because you, you'll get you'll fall asleep hearing his numbers. I don't want you to do that. But what the hell happened to Anthony Davis's shot? Back when he was with the Pelicans, and even in his first Lakers season, he was a above-average stretch four and a great pick-and-pop threat as a five. Matter of fact, in the bubble championship year, Anthony Davis shot 33% from behind the arc and 84% from the free-throw line. This year... 19% from behind the arc, 70% from the free throw line. And by the way, his mid-range percentages, they've held up, but don't. that's only because he's not shooting the three-point attempts as much anymore, and a lot of the pick-and-pops are from the mid-range as opposed to from the three where he used to be really dangerous, but I digress. So if you're the Lakers, what do you do? Go into the free agent market? Yeah, good luck with that. The Lakers are already way over the cap. And they stand at next year's projected luxury tax line, even with just seven players under contract. And I, yeah, I know I've only mentioned Westbrook, Anthony Davis, and LeBron, but in case you missed it, the roster spots 3 through 15, most likely the worst in the league. Realistically, they might be able to get a halfway decent third guard who can fall through the cracks in free agency, but the Lakers are kind of in salary cap hell, and I wouldn't count on it. The draft? Sure. The Lakers bartered all those picks a year ago to get Davis. The Lakers' first-round pick is likely headed to the Pelicans, and after Memphis acquired the pick last June with their top-10 protection, it seemed unfathomable the Lakers could finish with one of the league's 10 worst records, but they did it. Trades? So no draft, no free agency. Trades? What are they going to trade? What? Are you serious? How do you trade when you have nobody under contract, no cap space, and no draft picks? What are you going to trade? The only assets they really have, well, they don't have any assets. Forget it. So how do they get out of this jam? I don't know. I have, I had some theories I mentioned earlier, but I don't know. Frankly, I don't care. But I do listen when Magic Johnson speaks. And this past week, he came right out and he was very candid. And I'm, I'm these are Magic's words, not mine, because whenever there's a debacle of this magnitude especially when you've got this proud organization trust me i'm i'm all i grew up in southern california i'm all about the lakers i was an intern at the forum for what i believe to be their greatest era that was the showtime era i was an intern from 78 to 81 saw magic's rookie year courtside but the lakers are a team of eras you, you had the chamberlain baylor uh jerry west era that morphed into the Jabbar, Magic era, into the Kobe, Shaq era, now LeBron era. And the truth of the matter is, I don't think, when there's a debacle of this magnitude, especially when they were a co-favorite at the beginning of the year to win the championship, I don't know that you can really blame one human being. You can't give them all the credit. But Magic pointed the finger pretty 
significantly of LeBron James. And one of the reasons he said is he says it's squarely on LeBron James because they had a chance to get DeMar DeRozan in free agency. And DeMar DeRozan is an L.A. guy. He wanted to come home. And, by the way, he's having an MVP caliber year, caliber year in Chicago. And that didn't happen. And the blame that Magic believes LeBron has got to take is that DeRozan ended up in Chicago and not with the Lakers. And he believes it's very fair criticism. Now, Johnson, is no, you know, he's the former president of basketball operations. He started to go into detail saying DeRozan's agent actually called him, called Magic last offseason to let him know that DeRozan wanted to play for the Lakers. And so uh, Johnson then said that he called the Lakers to inform that DeRozan, who played college basketball at USC, as you recall, quote, wanted to come home. The Lakers decided to acquire Russell Westbrook from the Washington Wizards instead in exchange for Contavious Caldwell Pope, Montrezl Harrell, and Kyle Kuzma. Magic went on to say, we could have made that deal, but when Russell and LeBron and them started talking, that's when they nixed the deal and went with Westbrook, and he became a Laker instead of DeRozan. Now, Johnson believes, in addition to that, Magic believes, the Lakers could have held on to some key role players that they shopped in the Westbrook trade. His belief was you could have kept Alex Caruso, KCP, all those guys who Magic considered to be their best defenders, and he's not wrong. And you could have not only gotten DeRozan, if you had to trade Kuzma, Buddy Heel was available, which gave them a legitimate three-point threat. Magic's premise, now this is a little bit of a bold thought, he said, quote, we would be playing in the Western Conference Championship this year. Now, I don't know if that's true, but you ask me, and you have the benefit of revisionist history now, would you have rather had DeMar DeRozan and kept Caruso and KCP and gotten Buddy Heald, or would you rather have Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis, who's broken down, or you under this scenario you would have kept Anthony Davis? So sure enough, after the deal fell through, DeRozan signed with the Chicago Bulls, and I think you can make the case DeRozan's having the greatest season of his career. He's averaging 28 points per game. That's a career high. He's got the career best shooting percentage uh, from, from three-point land with Chicago. And don't look now, but Chicago is actually a number five seed in the uh, Eastern Conference standings. Now, take a minute. Compare that to Russell Westbrook. Unless you are just in complete denial, I think you can you can freely admit that Russell Westbrook has had one of the worst seasons in his NBA career. He's averaging only 18 points a game, which is the lowest total for him since his second season in the league. He's also averaging only seven assists per game. Now, with Westbrook struggling this season, the Lakers, I believe their record is now a 32-48, and 48, I want to say. And uh, a week ago when Magic made these comments, they were on the verge of not making the playoffs or even the play-in tournament. Well, now that's a fait accompli. The Lakers, now if that this isn't embarrassing, I don't know what is. 
because 20 of the 30 teams make the playoffs or at least the play-in tournament in the NBA. And you've got this roster with LeBron and Anthony Davis and Carmelo and Russell Westbrook, and they're going to be watching from home. What are they going to do? Which brings us back to the earlier question. Because they don't really have options in free agency. They don't have options in the draft. They don't have any assets to trade. The prime issue they're going to be dealing with is Russell Westbrook. He's got this absolutely toxic albatross called a $47 million contract cap number for 2023. And it's funny because uh, I read a report last week. There's actually only one player that they could trade head up and come out okay in terms of cap, and that's John Wall. Uh, Do you really think the Lakers are going to trade for John Wall? Uh, I'm pretty sure they're they're not going to do that. So what do you do with that $47 million clerical error? And uh, the Lakers are, 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 are genuinely, they're, they are genuinely stuck. And uh, more realistically, uh, is you got to get it, you know, for the Lakers to do anything to get out of this tax, the one thing they may be able to do is used to stretch provision to cut Westbrook's salary into equal parts, I think, three years, $16 million over the next three years. That gets LA out of the tax, but it cuts into potential cap room in 2023, so you're kicking the can down the road. What's the bottom line? You saw what happened to the Lakers this year? Don't expect that next year is going to be much different. That's the way this rolls. All right, coming up. I want to talk about Pete Carroll. Pete is run his mouth again, but why don't you put your money where your mouth is? Because every time you open your mouth with suggestions, I have to really question your hypocrisy because you're not exactly following through with what you believe you think needs to be done. I'll explain. But first, let's go to Kevin Figures with the latest. Kevin? All right, Bernie. Tiger Woods at the worst round of his 93 career rounds at the Masters on Saturday. He was a 6-over 78 for the round and is now 7-over for the tournament. Despite not being in contention, Woods did say he intends to finish the tournament later today. Scotty Scheffler maintained the top spot with a 1-under 71 for the round, despite some struggles on the back nine. He leads Cameron Smith by three strokes. Sung M recovered from a slow start and finished 1-under for the round and is five strokes off the lead. In Major League Baseball, Mike Trout and Jarrett Walsh both went deep for the Angels, leading them to a 2-0 victory over the Astros. A grand slam for Pete Alonso, first of his career, helped the Mets defeat the Nationals. Rockies over the Dodgers 3-2. Cubs roughed up Brandon Woodruff in a 9-0 victory over the Brewers. Home runs for Anthony Rizzo and Giancarlo Stanton in a 4-2 Yankees win over Boston. Atlanta, Kansas City, and the Phillies with wins. Cardinals with a victory as well. They got four hits from Nolan Arenado in a victory over Pittsburgh. Wins in the NBA for the Grizzlies, Sixers, Warriors, and the Clippers. Back to Bernie Fratto. All right, thanks, Kevin. Appreciate that, buddy. All right, the NFL has a way of staying in the news uh, 24-7, 365, and we all like it that way, we all want it that way. But I can't always say it's good. And for whatever reason, 70-year-old Pete Carroll uh, finds finds his way into the comments section once again and his his premise has to do with the hiring of minority coaches which if you look at the numbers the numbers are undeniable the nfl's track record of hiring minority coaches is not good 
the numbers simply do not lie. Uh, and so that hasn't stopped Pete Carroll from issuing some blunt reminders to what he considers to be the powers to be. So apparently, and this was not public, but according to people that had knowledge of the situation, Pete Carroll last week at the league meetings in Florida, or maybe it's been a couple weeks, delivered that they delivered what they characterize as a passionate speech and told the group that the policies will never change until the owners themselves change. And one of the sources described Pete Carroll's behavior as he just he just went off. He was saying you can do anything, but until the owners get to know these candidates before the actual interviews and understand that they have to hire people who are different than them, it's not really going to change. But it sounds like a, pat, a platitude, and I'm going to say why in a minute. And then it was... It was reported by some people who covered the event that the owners were not happy when they learned of Carol's comments afterward. One source said Carol's comments were sufficiently strong enough to make people in the room very uncomfortable to the point of angry. Another source said they weren't sure if the remarks, you know, actually did anger people in the room and or maybe they if they did, they didn't anger them enough. They should have been even more angry. Now, the Cleveland Browns owner, Jimmy Haslam, he actually responded to Pete Carroll's not-so-subtle suggestion that the problem flows from ownership, you know, Jimmy Haslam's an owner, he took issue with the idea that the owners are out of touch when it comes to entrusting uh, key positions to minority candidates, and others have privately pointed out that Carroll doesn't have a stellar track record either when it comes to giving opportunities to minority coaches with, by the way, he has no black offensive coordinators, not once during his 12 seasons as the head coach in Seattle. But interestingly enough, Carol has actually hired two of his children, causing some to wink, wink, nod, nod, imply nepotism, right? And those opportunities could have gone to non-family members, and they could have gone, yes, to minority candidates. Regardless, Carol stood up to talk about the issue in an open session, and he, he it's his own way, I guess, of trying to draw more awareness that the more that coaches and owners talk about the problem in those settings, the more likely solutions will emerge. I don't think it was a good PR look for the league. I don't think it was a good PR look for Pete Carroll. I'm going to explain why. For once and for all, if the, and if there's one team that could use a quarterback, and if there's one team that has nothing to lose by giving Colin Kaepernick a chance, bringing him into camp, seeing what he can do, I'm not saying guarantee him a slot on the roster. I'm not saying guaranteeing him that he's going to start. I'm not saying even guaranteeing him a contract. I'm saying guaranteeing him a chance to compete. You're not going to have Russell Wilson there anymore. You don't have Bobby Wagner anymore. That long, that Legion of Doom defense is long gone. And I mean long gone. So this is my beef with Pete Carroll. You're talking out both sides of your mouth. You could lead by example and perhaps make a move of this nature, which might kill two birds with one stone, but at least show that you, from your vantage point in the NFL, are taking definitive action. Now, the truth of the matter is some people listening might take umbrage to this, but I covered the Lions for 10 years. And I will tell you that the pressure to win in the NFL is more than most people will ever know in their current job. And if someone can help you win, you need to have that person in your fold. 
Now, I don't know if Colin Kaepernick can help the Seattle Seahawks win. And we're not going to know until you actually put him on the field. And Pete Carroll, if you're going to be the Pied Piper and you're going to be the self-proclaimed paragon of integrity, then why don't you step right up and make a move on your own? It just seemed disingenuous to go off like that and talk about issues where his shorts aren't clean either. So, interestingly enough, time marches on. I think the air on Seattle, and it was a good one, is going to come crashing to a halt. And you got to replace a, probably a Hall of Fame quarterback. And you got nothing to lose. So if there's one thing I can't stand, it's hypocrisy. Pete, put your money where your mouth is. Take a flyer. Frankly, I think you've got nothing to lose. And the sooner you do it, the better. And you can lead by example as you are employing people to do that you don't even know, perhaps. Coming up, we're going to bring you back out to Vegas. We're hours away from day four and what promises to be I think an exciting Masters Day 4. I want to see how Tiger Woods will do. He's 16 strokes back. He's not going to win the tournament. But the truth of the matter is, you got a guy in the lead, 25 years old, who's won three PGA Tours tournaments this year, never won a tournament before this year, trying to win his first Masters, major and Masters, and he's minus 225. When is the last time someone's been this dominant this early and not finish the job. Be that as it may, you still got to do it. And Sunday looms. It's not going to be easy. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Stick and stay. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. We're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. It's that time again. We bring you back out to Las Vegas. Mackinac Sports with Mackenzie Rivers. McKenzie, day four of the Masters, about 12 hours away from guys teeing off. And uh, as is the case, um, you've got some data that uh, will cause folks to look at it a little differently. Yeah, first data you got to know is one nice day. One out of four nice days. It's going to be 74 and not too breezy tomorrow at Augusta. The exact opposite of what we've seen all tournament one of the most difficult weather-wise tournaments, Masters, that we've seen. What happened? Well, Wednesday night, torrential downpour all night. And then Thursday, obviously, you got the ramifications of that, the muddy track. And then the wind. The wind has been absolutely mm. furious the last two days. 20-mile-per-hour gusts. Through it all, the Scotty Scheffler, the number one player in the world, has emerged. He is now a minus 200 consensus favorite. The only player with the... With a real shot at him is Cameron Smith at plus 275. After that, it goes Sujay Aim at 14 to 1. Uh, have you played any of these futures, Bernie? You have any dogs in the race, or are you interested in, a, in tomorrow's round from a betting perspective? No, I'm not. It's a good question. Uh, I do not bet golf. To me, it's one of those needle in a haystack bets, shooting BBs at the moon. However, before you continue, we'll have a little fun. There are two props that I really have my eye on tomorrow uh, that I think are very live with really good prices. But go ahead. Well, you know, I'm not a betting expert as far as golf, but I do have a best bet because, you know, when you have such an exciting uh, tournament. Well, I'll get to my best bet, but first got to give props uh, to my captain, R.J. Bell. Uh, What a call for a guy that doesn't bet golf. He had... 
to the T, the Tiger Woods phenomenon, what what was going to transpire in the 2022 Masters as far as Tiger Woods. He called it, he's going to make the cut. He's going to, he didn't come out of the blue for no reason. He had this penciled, this circled Augusta, and then he was going to fade because he hadn't walked a mile and 8,000 yards a day was going to eventually end up the swelling. Well, let's look at the scores. Minus one is opening day. Shocks the world. Better than 70 golfers out of the 91 team. Plus two the next day. He slips back. And today the wheels fall off on moving day. Plus six. He's now clearly not going to finish top 20, but he made the cut. He's 41st. And if you bet, make the cut, even money, that was a winner. And if you bet, not top 20, it'll lay the lumber at minus 320, which RJ suggested, that was also a winner. What are the props that uh, you're interested in, Bernie? And before I get to that, give uh, props to uh, Tiger one last time because other stud golfers like Jordan Spieth, Bryson DeChambeau, and Brooks Kepka did not make the cut, but uh, Tiger did. I know RJ was right in terms of the fatigue factor that would absolutely set in, and clearly it has. All right, and this is why I don't bet individual golfers, because there's a needle in a haystack. But listen to these two props, and I'll have you analyze them. First of all, one of the props is, will the winner of the tournament bogey the 18th hole? Now, here's the deal. Mm. I've been to Augusta. The final hole at Augusta is one of the toughest in the tournament. It's ranked the, the second hardest in the first round, and it was the most difficult in Saturday's round. Why? Because the pin placement. Now, the pin placement for Sunday is always in a position that makes it extremely difficult to get near the pin because it's on the front left of the green. So the bunker guards the green to the front, and golfers try to use the natural backstop to feed the ball closer. But if you misjudge the shot, you almost always end up off the green. Or if you hit it short you got this false front, and you end up in the trap. What's the moral of the story? And by the way, the two top golfers, Scotty Scheffler, he's bogeyed 18 in two of the three rounds, and uh, Cameron Smith made a double bogey in the first round, and so yep. they've got bogeys. True. What's the moral? You can get plus 250 for the winner to bogey the 18th hole. Take a minute to analyze that. And th let me know if you think that's a good play. I love it, Bernie. It actually plays right into my best bet, which is Cameron Smith, minus 120 over Scotty Scheffler for multiple reasons. One one thing, I think the pressure of the Masters tournament. I mean, I know he's won three tournaments. I know he's number one in the world. He's never had a night like tonight, sleeping on a 67% chance to accomplish his dream. That pressure uh, is to keep a three-stroke lead. It's not to play great golf. It's not a sh to shoot in the 60s. It's to keep a three-stroke lead over Cameron Smith. So if he's up by one, or no, not if he's up by one, but if he's up by two strokes, he has incentive to play incredibly conservatively on that long hole, which you mentioned he's bird, he's bogeyed two out of three times today on the 18th hole, right into the woods, you know, not his best hole. So yeah, I think there's a great, that's great value. At plus 250, you only need it to cash about a, less than a third of the time. And I think there's going to be, uh, the most likely scenario is that the leader will play incredibly conservatively, which might lead to a bogey. I think that's good odds. All right, so here's another one. So your final three are going to be I'm Smith and Scheffler. That's going to be your, your, your final group. And they'll all feel pressure on each other. And if it's a Smith or I'm just jumps out to a fast start and gets a couple birdies, all of a sudden Scheffler is going to have something to think about and, the, and everything's going to bunch up. Now, yeah, go, go ahead. I'll get to my point. What were you going to say? 
Oh, I just that Cameron Smith shot in the 60s four straight time in 2020, and uh, that's that's the kind of pressure that can build on you. They, he, he can go low. Well, he had a 68 Friday and a 68 today, but, it, you know, that sandwich, he had a 74 on Friday. So, we, we, you know, we'll see what – but the nerves are going to be there. These are guys that have never won – all three of these guys have never won a Masters. Now, let me cut to my punchline. There has not been a playoff at the Masters since Sergio Garcia – and Justin Rose locked horns five years ago to win his first championship. However, when you've got these three fairly well bunched up and the leader in number two place only three strokes apart, could there be a playoff? Here's where the value comes. The yes is plus 400. You so like you that about, value or not? So you need a 20. Let me think about this. So you need plus 400. So one out of five times, if it's cashing 20%, you're breaking even. Currently, Scotty Scheffler is minus 200, and if you look at the field without Scotty Scheffler, DraftKings lets you do this. Cameron Smith is minus 200 against the rest of the field. So in about one-third of the time, Scheffler doesn't win the tournament. About one-third of the time, E-May or someone else catches but here's, up here's with the Smith. key. Here's the key. you got yeah. three guys yeah. that are all new to this, and Scotty Scheffler's three strokes ahead of Cameron Smith. Cameron Smith's only two strokes ahead of I'm. So they're all on uncharted territory. What I, what I love about this, go ahead. What I love about this is that the rest of the field is so bunched up. Let's say Scheffler, you know, the pressure does get to him and he drops down. You know, Rory McIlroy is tied for ninth at plus one. You know, think How about, about Justin that. So, Rose. You got him yeah. sixty to one. He's and as strokes. we talked, as we talked about the beginning of this segment, this is the first day that we can see some of these minus, you know, 65 scores, 66 scores, because it's been terrible weather. You know, all the data that we've seen up so far to this tournament has been bad weather golf. Now with good weather golf, the odds might not catch up to the fact that we could see a minus six. By the way, Cameron Smith, the whole tournament has been minus six. Scotty Scheffler throws up a plus number. It's going to be really bunched up, like you mentioned. So which has better value to you, gun to your head, Cameron Smith plus 280 to win the tournament, or Scotty Scheffler minus 225 to close it out with a three-stoke lead. If you could, if you could. Gun to my one. head. You you talked about it. Nobody has done this, and until you've done it, you can't really say that you can. We've seen some of these Masters end with, uh, you know, horrendous Sundays for the for the leader. So I would say Cameron Smith at plus 280. Gun to my head. I'm not betting it. I am betting Cameron Smith minus 120. Versus Scheffler, but gun to my head, I would take Cameron Smith at the plus 280 number. All right, McKenzie, good stuff. So next week, we're going to be knee-deep into the NFL draft. I'm sure I have some props and stuff on that, and we'll be knee-deep into the NBA playoffs. So we'll see you then. All right, it's McKenzie Rivers, Mackinac Sports. Coming up, the dance sensation that is sweeping the nation. Everybody loves it. What kind of brand-new fool are you followed up by what my name? You can't believe this stuff actually happens in the good old USA, US of A, but it does. Keep it locked. I'm Bernie Fratto. This is Fox Sports Sunday and Fox Sports Radio. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. 
BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. The Fox Sports Sunday train keeps rolling right along. Three down... One to go. We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. Lots of stuff to get to, including Chris Perfett's World of Soccer at the bottom of the hour. Yes, this is a World Cup year. Always lots of stuff to talk about. But before we get to any of that, the dance sensation that is sweeping the nation. Folks, wake the kids, alert the neighbors, grandpa put on pants, because... We are about to dive into another rousing edition of what we affectionately refer to as What Kind of Brand New Fool Are You? That's right. What kind of brand new fool are you? See, every day in this great land and certainly around the world, people do things that cause you to scratch your head. There's an endless supply of... Of stories and tonight we take you to Germany we want to introduce you to Hans Hans from Germany say hello to Hans Hans from Germany who was arrested the other day outside a clinic trying to sell fake vaccine vaccine cards not vaccine I don't know what the hell a vaccine card is last time I ran a tongue from that place and yes I am fully vaccinated maybe it went to my head so Hans was caught in possession of 90 fake vaccine cards that he was looking to sell to people who didn't want to get a vaccine but they wanted the world to think they got a vaccine so they bought a fake fake vaccine card here's where the story gets real interesting you know how the hell hans became in possession of 90 vaccine cards which are actually real it turns out hans has been vaccinated 90 times can't make this stuff up folks he's gotten 90 vaccinations so he's got 90 vaccination cards. And how did he get hurt? Well, he went back to the clinic where he got his final vaccination the day before, the very next day, and a lady recognized him. Hans, on so many levels, I ask you one simple question. What kind of brand new fool are you? Chris Perfett. All right, Bernie. I don't know if he's quite a fool, but he is a, uh, he, let's call him a lovable fool here. So, uh Great actor and all-around lovely man. Nicholas Cage was doing on Reddit what is a website called Reddit what is called an Ask Me Anything. And I just have to share some of this. I don't know if this is all completely fool stuff, but it is very Nicholas Cage in that it is it has inherent latent fool energy to it. One of the answers he gave was someone asked him the question, What is your dream role that you have yet to complete? He says that you'd like to play Jules Verne's Captain Nemo 
it from 2000 to 20,000 leagues under the sea because quote the character's love of the ocean i share that with him he was also talking about an old reference go ahead yeah Sorry. i was going to say that was a movie from i mean i, I i've 60s? been on 50s yeah i was on the ride in disney world way back but you know and i i've read the i've read the book jules verne by jules verne but that is definitely a an old one it's a, it's a, it's due for a remake i would say he was also asked, "What movie quote do you hate the most when people strange when strangers holler it at you in public?" He says, "I don't have any of the quotes. I'm glad they remember the movie," which is a fantastic answer. And then finally, one last one, uh, and this is definitely not a fool answer. In fact, I I completely agree with this. What movies can you watch over and over and still not get bored? He answers, "Apocalypse Now" and "Spirited Away." So. Not not quite a fool in the in the, let's all laugh at it, but Nicolas Cage remains a very foolish but lovable foolish human being. He's got a hell of a body of work. I mean, going back forty years, Valley Girl to this day holds up. I promise you. Yeah, I it's think one of the answers he gave was that was filmed kitty corner from the studio you're in right now, where the old gallery mall was, Chris. <laughs> yeah, and I think one of the answers he gave here. Okay, I found the other one. He he said his work in Lord of War, which was fairly panned, but he thinks that it. Uh, is the best movie he made pertaining to a political situation and it's influenced other movies like Wolf of Wall Street. So, yeah, he's that, done a lot of good movies. By the way, he lived in Vegas here. I'm not sure if he still does, but he did years ago up in Summerlin. He used to work out at Lifetime Fitness and he'd go in and get the same smoothie every single day having another person that made the smoothie for him. All right, good stuff, Chris. Kevin Figures, jump aboard. Well, what kind of grand, brand new fool are you? Well, it stole my thunder a little bit there, Bernie. I was right there with you with uh, my man in Germany that had 90 COVID injections. I mean, that's oh, insane. Oh, okay, go ahead. That is insane to me. It's, it's the exact same story, but, I mean, it tells you the length that certain people will go. Even putting his own health at risk just to take a few, uh, make a few extra shekels. Uh, I, I know the the, invest, <laughs> the investigators said they have no idea to this point in time what the effects of 90 COVID vaccines, mixed and matched, by the way, between all uh, three uh, of the available uh, uh, vaccines. But I'm imagining it's probably not going to be a positive effect. No, I'm 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 with you on that one. I think it would be ironic as hell if you got COVID. Yeah, but right. I, <laughs> but 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 you're right. Anyway, you slice it. Uh, on so many levels, the guy gets 90 shots. That's foolish. 90 Vax cards, foolish. Tries to sell them, which is even more foolish, and then goes back to the same clinic where he just gotten his last full, uh, uh, I almost said flu shot, COVID shot, and he's recognized by the lady. All right, good stuff, Kevin. Uh, Eric. We're going to keep it local here in California in the San Fernando Valley. Um, much like Perfet's Fool, uh, this is actually taking the lighter side, where we actually have a very lucky and a very rich fool. Uh, LaQuedra Edwards won $10 million in the California lottery after some rude person bumped her, forcing her to push the wrong vending machine button for a scratcher's ticket in uh, Tarzana, California, here in Los Angeles. And uh, she had no intention of buying that ticket. But guess what? On the freeway later, she then realized the $30 ticket that she accidentally pushed and purchased had reaped the top prize of $10 million. She almost crashed her car, she said, pulled over, looked at it again and again, scanned it with my app or with her app and just kept thinking this couldn't be right. So uh, lucky for her, she had some fool bump into her and uh, uh, turned her into a millionaire. That's amazing. I wonder if there are cameras in that place that fool wants to be found that bumped into her and say, hey, man, break me off. Break me off a little. 
The Vons supermarket yeah. did receive $50,000 for selling the big winners. So. Oh, yeah, that's, that's standard. Yeah, the, the <laughs> proprietor. Wow. But yeah, All the, right, guys. Anything else, Eric? Uh, no, just the person that bumped into Edwards didn't say a thing. So uh, maybe a... Uh, Got a funny feel. Well, they may not even know why they bumped yeah, into him. So you just one of the one of those random events uh, in life that we've we've talked about on this show. All right, good stuff, guys. That will set the stage now for America's second favorite dance sensation, the game show we also very much affectionately refer to as "What My Name." So the way this will work, I'll give clues. And this is a since baseball season is underway, we're going to adopt a baseball theme here. <coughs> so. Some of this is a little old school, but not over the top. All right. I'm the only Yankee with a retired number who never won a World Series. Christopher Fett, what my name? Uh, Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth actually won a World Series. But, and I will tell you, I'll give a little clue. You're going you're gonna to kick yourself for not getting this name if you do because... He has an L.A. connection, if you get my drift. All right, I'm the only Yankee, New York Yankee, with a retired number that never won a World Series. Kevin Figures, what my name? You you know, you had me uh, scared there for a sec, but you gave away the hint, so I'm going to go with Don Mattingly. Nicely done. Look at that. Makes his debut yeah. with what my name right out of the gate. And uh, he right, played for some uh, bad Yankee teams, for sure. Yeah, and that was just crazy. Uh 82 to 95, made the playoffs once in a year after he retires. They win three out of four World Series. Great guy. I've interviewed him, talked to him multiple times. I love Don Mattingly. Same. When he was the manager for the Dodgers, always easy to deal with. Great dude. Oh, wasn't he a, what, just loves talking sports. The best. Good to hear. All right. Moving along. We almost had a no-hitter with the Padres on opening day the other day, but we didn't. So, to this day, I remain the only pitcher in Major League history to throw a no-hitter on opening day. Eric Kemp, what my name? Oh, man, I don't know. Ubaldo Jimenez. Close. Close. All right, I'm the only pitcher to this day in the history of Major League Baseball to throw a no-hitter on opening day. Chris Perfett, what my name? Oh, man, I knew this from a few years ago. This has got to be uh, – this is Roy Halladay. No, he didn't have a no-hitter on opening day. He did have a no-hitter, but not on opening day. All right, let's see if Kevin can go two for two. You might get it. I'm the only pitcher in the history of Major League Baseball to throw a no-hitter on opening day. Wow. What's um, my name? Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm just going to say Randy Johnson. All good guesses? Nope. I'll tell you what, for, just for the hell of it, because this is so historic. We're going to go around one more time, but I'm going to give you a clue. I'm going to give you a clue. It happened in 1940, and it was in the American League. All right. So, Eric Kemp, I'm the only I'm the only pitcher in history to throw a no-hitter on opening day. I did it in 1940 for an American League team. Eric Kemp, what my name? In 1940? I don't know any pitchers in 1940. We, they're probably dead. So I wouldn't expect you to know them. Raleigh Fingers. Yeah, he, he was there. He was probably somewhere in 1940. But he, <laughs> so what I've always said like about the War of 1812, hell, I wasn't there. But I know about it. I read it. I studied it. All right. All right. Good good guess, Eric. All right. I'm the only pitcher to throw a no-hitter on opening day. Did it in 1940 for an American League team. Chris Perfett, what my name? Chris Perfett? Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me get the clock here. There we go. Um, 
Was Hank Greenberg a pitcher? He wasn't a pitcher. I he was. He, he played for the Tigers. He was a left fielder. American League, though. Well, American League. You got that part right. All right, Kevin <laughs> Figures. I'm the only pitcher to throw a no-hitter on opening day in 1940 for an American League team. Kevin Figures, what my name? I have no. Um, Bob Feller. You got it! No way. Yeah, wait. I'll tell you this, Bernie. He is... He is about the only pitcher from that era that I even know about. See, that's that, that's one of those household names that even, you know, no matter what, right? I mean, Babe Ruth died in 40, but everyone knows that name, right? Yeah. Bob Feller, he, you know, he once, he, he partic- I mean, he had a real live army. He was like Nolan Ryan before Nolan right. Ryan. Right. All right, a couple more here. We're on a roll. All right. I mentioned earlier in the show, if you were listening, you might get this. 1973, I became the first ever DH in a major league game. Uh, Eric Kemp, what my name? Uh, I don't know. We'll go Jason Giambi. <laughs> Who? Jason Giambi. <laughs> Jason Giambi. He's probably no, born he, around that He time. lives in Vegas, too. Uh, all right. I'm the only oh, – check that. I'm the first ever uh, designated hitter to play in a major league game or come to bat in a major league game. Chris Perfett, what my name? My mind just blanked. Um, I'm just going to say Alan Trammell because I've been giving Tigers answers all morning. Okay, no. I am sorry. The judges will not allow it. All right. I'm the only I'm – the. I'm, why do I keep doing that? I'm the first ever designated hitter to come to bat in a major league game. Uh, Kevin Figures, what my name? So this is the 70s, I'm guessing. So, I don't know. Rod Carew. 19 – I'm sorry. 1973 – the legendary Ron Bloomberg became the DH for the New York Yankees, and opening day they played the Boston Red Sox, and Bloomberg became the first DH ever to come to bat in a major league game. What was interesting is he got a call from his agent in November. He says, hey, you're going to sign with the Yankees. You're going to become the DH. He said, what's that, designated Hebrew? And we keep moving right along. All right, because there's the other half of that trivia question. The Boston Red Sox also had a DH that day, and he became the second ever player to bat as a DH in the major leagues. Eric Kemp, what my name? Oh gosh, I don't know. We'll just go with Big Poppy because I don't know. You're actually kind of on the right track, and that's a vague clue. All right. I was also part of that first game as a member of the Red Sox against the Yankees and faced Ron Bloomberg. I was the second ever DH to come to bat in a major league game. Chris Perfett, what my name? Uh, would be Fergie Jenkins, maybe. Now, he was a pitcher with the Cubs, but I like the name. I, I like I like that man. I could have sworn like he was on the Red Sox at that point. I was just grasping around. He was Canadian, unless you're thinking of Fergie the singer. No, no, I was not thinking my of Fergie humps, the singer. My humps, my humps, my humps. Gee, I wish he would have played that song more in 2005. I was gonna go London Bridge, but we'll go with that. Okay, nice, nicely done. You will get a home version of the game on the way out. All right, we'll see if Kevin can save us. I was also in that game playing for the Red Sox against the Yankees, the second hitter in the history of Major League Baseball to ever come to bat as a DH. Kevin Figures, what my name? Um, 70s Sox. Um, Carl Yastrzemski. Wow, right. Good era. It's 1973, and believe it or not, you guys might kick yourselves. It was Orlando Cepeda. Oh, wow. Orlando Cepeda. All right, guys, good job. Another spectacular rendition of what kind of brand new fool are you and what my name coming up hey the usfl kicks off in a week 
The USFL, 35-man rosters, seven-man practice squads. On Fox, you'll all be watching. You know you will. You're going to need a primer to get you ready. I'm just a guy to do that. That's next. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday and Fox Sports Radio. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. You may notice that we have exclusively Motown bumper music on this show. Detroit are my roots. And... When we talked about Fergie a minute ago, before I get to the USFL stuff, I can't, I just can't resist. No one likes a name dropper, but I don't care. So, uh, Chris, were you living in Detroit in 2006? Chris Perfett, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry, Bernie. Okay, were you were you uh, living in Detroit in 2006? Uh, let's see. I think I was moseying around the 2006. I might have. Yes. So I was in Toledo at the time. Okay, so you're right by there. Yeah. Okay. With Toledo case, I was kind of in between. Know. I was in between North Carolina and Vancouver at the time, but yes, I was back in Toledo. <laughs> so February of 2006, the Lions hosted Super Bowl 40, Seattle right. Seahawks, and well, why do I bring this up? So I was with the 97.1 WXY, it was WKRK then, Lions flagship station, and as part of a show, uh, Parker the Man, my partner Mark Wilson and I, we were doing a remote. We did, during Super Bowl week, we did a lot of remotes. Now, Chris, you know down where Campus Marsh is. You know, you ever, ever heard of a bar down there? called Coach's Corner. I mean, it's been there forever. It's a big place. So it's I, walking distance of Comerica Park. Yeah, I, I know where it's at. I, I think I've bombed. I think I've gone in there one time before a Thanksgiving game, like just it's, game. It's, it's awesome. It's, yeah. it's a Detroit staple. So we're doing a remote there about four days before the Super Bowl, as folks do. And I swear to God, I look out to my left and I see Fergie. Yeah, that Fergie, the lead side, the lead singer of – Black Eyed Peas, at the height of really their their success, and who she's sitting next to, Josh Dumel, Josh Dumel, the actor, uh, who uh, they they are getting married, and I think they just got divorced a couple of years ago. They were married about ten years, and Chris, you know who Josh Dumel is, right? I'm not going to say that uh, win a date with Tad Hamilton is your favorite movie, but you, you know there's your reference point, right? 
Yeah. For, for the fact that I know that, I know that I'm gonna after I'm gonna I'm gonna hang I'm going to set my headset down after the show and kill myself with a chainsaw. The fact that I know that he was in that movie. All right, here's the punchline. So they're sitting there and they're listening to our show and they're they're really cool. They're like they're into it, right? We're we're talking Super Bowl, all that kind of stuff. So I get done and I walk over to Josh Dumel and being the being the smart ass I am, I said. Then you play quarterback at Minot State in South Dakota. Looked at me like, dude, how do you know that? And I'm not normal. That's how I know these things. And uh, he loved the fact that I knew, and it's a true story. Josh Dumel was a college football quarterback at Minot State in South Dakota. Their program, I believe, has been defunct for for a while now. And the only other guy you can name from there is a guy quarterback named Randy Hedberg, who was quarterback of the uh, of the uh, one of the quarterbacks of the. Tampa Bay Buccaneers in their inaugural 1976 season when they went 0-14, but I digress. He loved that, and I joked. I said, "Oh, so what do you, what do you, what have you done since then?" And he knew he knew I was goofing around there, but they were very nice people. And there's my brush with uh, greatness, as David Letterman used to say. There's Fergie. I think her real name is Sarah Ray Ferguson or something like that. I don't know. But Black Eyed Peas were huge. Uh, Chris mentioned London Bridge. That was probably their number one hit. Josh Dubell, Super Bowl 2006, Super Bowl 40. Downtown Detroit, Campus Marshes at the remote we were doing at Coach's Corner, but I digress. And I, please come back, folks. I will not talk anymore. Shop like that. All right, USFL. I'm actually going to get into more of this next week because this is real, and I think it's going to be more successful than people realize, and Fox is carrying it. But I want to go over a couple of rule changes I think you're going to get a hell of a kick out of because before the rollout kickoff, the the the, the USFL is going to employ some rules that are very different than the NFL, including you all know about the two-point conversion. What about the three-point conversion? In addition to the standard PAT and the two-point conversion, teams cannot for a three-point try from the 10-yard line after they score a touchdown. Can you imagine that? You're on the 10-yard line. You got one play to punch it in the end zone, and you get three points. Interesting. Overtime. How is the USFL going to handle overtime? Teams are going to play a best-of-three shootout from the two-yard line, alternating possessions with each score worth two points. If it's still tied, ensuing possessions then become sudden death. Would you follow that? Back and forth three times. If you punch in the end zone, you get two points. You'll add up the score. <coughs> if after, after three t- uh, tries, you're tied, you keep going. Interesting. Gimmicky, but interesting. How about the alternative to an onside kick? Let's say you've just scored, but you need to score again to stay in the game. In lieu of an onside kick, by by the way, you can still attempt onside kicks in the USFL. But if you want to retain possession and you don't want to do an onside kick, here's another option. You get the ball at your own 33-yard line, and you're basically given a 4th and 12, or you're basically given one shot to get to the 45. If you do it, you keep the ball. If you don't, your team... The other team takes over at the 33, so there's a risk-reward there. How about clock stoppages? The clock will stop after first downs in the final two minutes of the second and fourth quarters to, quote, add offense and excitement before halftime and the end of the game. I'm not so sure I'm down with that one. Use your timeouts. That's what those are for. You don't need to stop the game. Football already has enough stoppages, okay? You can crack on baseball all you want. You know, in an average 60-minute NFL game, there's about 12 minutes of actual action. Not complaining. Not complaining. 
Just saying, okay? What's interesting is if you go back to the original USFL with it kicked off in 83, uh, some of the original USFL's rules were actually adopted by the NFL, including the way that the NFL currently handles instant replay and coaches' challenges. And what's interesting is I don't know how this is going to play, but wouldn't it be something if the NFL adopted some of these a few years down the road? Again, not predicting it. But let's wait and see what happens. Coming up, Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. The U.S. is in the World Cup. It is a World Cup year, and there's always news around the world of soccer, and Chris will have it for us. But first, speaking of news, let's go to Kevin Figures with the latest as he's got it for us. All right, and hardball on Saturday night was capped off with an Angels victory over the Astros, 2 to nothing. Noah Syndergaard picking up his first win since 2019. Not a bad outing for Justin Verlander either. Did give up one home run and took the loss, but struck out seven in five innings of work, his first start since July of 2020. Herman Marquez pitched seven innings for Colorado. They beat the Dodgers 3-2. to Manny Machado picked up a couple of hits for the Padres. They defeated Arizona. Braves over the Reds 2-1. to Pete Alonso hit the first grand slam of his career as the Mets beat the Nationals 5-0. Royals with a 1-0 walk-off victory over the Guardians. Marlins, Mariners, Yankees, and Phillies with victories. Seiya Suzuki drove in the first three RBI of his career in a 9-0 Cubs victory over Milwaukee. Scotty Scheffler finished Friday's round with a five-stroke lead at the Masters. That is now down to a three-stroke lead after he struggled on Saturday. Cameron Smith made a surge and shot a four-under 68 for the round. He is the closest contender, followed by Sung M, who was five strokes back. Tiger Woods had the worst round of his career at Augusta as he shot six over 78 and fell into 22nd place. Victories in the NBA for the Clippers, Warriors, Grizzlies, and the 76ers. Back to Bernie Fratto. All right, thanks so much, Kevin. Hey, by the way, you mentioned you're an Angel fan growing yes. up. So was I. Were you an Orange County guy? No, not at all. I actually grew up uh, in the city of Los Angeles, but the first game I ever watched on television was the Angels playing, and uh, that's kind of the first time that I fell in love with baseball itself, so I just latched onto the Angels. Got you. And, uh, and from then on, it just, uh, it just stuck. All right, interesting, interesting, because I know the Dodgers draw tons of fans from Orange County, but rarely do the Angels draw from L.A. County, just one of those things. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Kevin. That time of week, Chris Perfett, World of Soccer. And what's interesting is earlier in the show, I spent a fair amount of time deconstructing the Lakers and the fact that they missed the playoffs second time in four years, seventh time in nine years. Well, they're not the only major league operation missing the playoffs. And if you think the Lakers missing out on the playoffs is bad, what do you hear about this little team in England that I know you've heard about, Chris Perfett, with the details. That's right, Bernie. We're talking about probably the biggest club in the world, the Red Devils themselves, Manchester United. Wow. And I feel like we've talked about Manchester United. This has been a year of, my favorite word, schadenfreude, for some of the biggest clubs in the Premier League. We've talked a lot about Arsenal in the past. Now, I think we've talked a little bit of Manchester United. United, though, is uh, stumbling down the stretch, and we're going to break it down here, take a little break from uh, World Cup news, considering that the draw is in, and we're just waiting for the playoff, the, uh, the the knockoff teams here to play it out coming up in June. But let's talk about some United. Because, uh, so there's no playoffs, obviously, to talk about. But we've got about seven games left in the Premier League schedule for most teams out there. United fell one nothing to, to, to Club Everton. 
which is good news for Everton because they're fighting against relegation. Their season's kind of gone off the rails. They're the second team in Liverpool behind, obviously, Liverpool itself. It would be a disaster to see them relegated. I hope they avoid it. They are currently in 17th, 18, 19, and 20 get relegated. But for Manchester United, this loss, Bernie, stubs them very hard, makes it really hard for them to hit top four in the Premier League standings. Why is that important? We talked about this before. Top four in the Premier League are the clubs that get sent to the UEFA Champions League. When you're playing in the Champions League, you are playing to be masters of Europe. And it's been a minute for Manchester United to really make noise in the Champions League. They've been long since absent from the top there. It's a from the from the British side, it's been a scene dominated by Manchester City, their hated rivals, Liverpool and Chelsea. And Hotspur is right now in the fourth pole with 57 points. With this loss, Manchester United gained no points. They remain 6 points back of Hotspur. With seven games left, it's a tall order to overcome that, Bernie. And this was not a fun. This was not a fun match for them. This uh, a lot of things was happening here. Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh, I was just going to bring that up. Yes, you saw this. Okay, he, there's a little bit of controversy here mm-hmm. because he missed the game against Leicester last week, and I guess they found out later he had quote flu-like symptoms. But that's a big miss. Shouldn't he, shouldn't he have played? He should. He should have probably played. I don't know the details of what exactly flu-like symptoms was happening. But it's been very clear that Ronaldo's return to Manchester United hasn't exactly been the homecoming I think either half wanted. And uh, during this game against Everton, he snatched a phone, a smartphone away from a fan trying to take a picture and smashed it into the ground. He has now since uh, had to apologize for it. It's uh, it's kind of a controversy sweeping around as, once again, frustrations are just everywhere from this Manchester side. It's just every nobody likes anyone, and it's... Uh, it's a like he's he's playing the role of LeBron James here, although a lot more of a frustrated LeBron James, I believe. For Manchester United, it looks like they're probably being a clearing house. I know in this offseason, as it comes up, they're looking to target uh, a new manager, probably the current manager for the Dutch side, Ajax, Eric Ten Hag, uh, maybe Robert Van Persie, who will probably be the assistant. Fun fun note about Robert Van Persie: he's probably one of my favorite players to talk about. My sister, Samantha, when she was young, uh, she could not say Christopher, so she would call me Percy. And as soon as she learned about the existence of Robert Van Percy, we seemed to uh, be able to talk about that and make some jokes there. So I don't know if that's going to turn fortunes around for Manchester United, but here's, here's the financial implications, Bernie, because everything comes down to finances when you're talking about the Premier League and you're talking about UEFA soccer. So Manchester United could face financial issues if they do not make the top four. Uh, They have several sponsors for Premier League teams have performance-related clauses for their sponsorship deals, including deals with sponsors like TeamViewer and their kit provider, Adidas. And if they fail to reach the Champions League next season, they could see some performance clauses coming in there to either. Well, they got an interim coach too, don't they? That's not going to bode well for him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think he's out anyway. It sounds like this Eric Ten Hag deal is pretty much in place right now. This, the man is basically just holding the door open at this point, but they could hit financial issues. Again, we've got seven matches left for United six points to, to make up. I'm not saying it can't happen, Bernie, but Hotspur has been on a bit of a tear right now. It would be their play. I think they've already played this week. It would be something to see them stumble and United get back in here. But time's time's running down, Bernie, for for the Red Devils. 
it's it's running down. They've got money on the line. They've got pride on the line. If they don't make it back to the Champions League, their fans will, their supporters will be incensed as well. It's a brewing storm up there, and it does not look fun for the Red Devils. So one of the biggest clubs in the world. We'll oh, see if they're able to turn it around. I, I, I'm pretty sure Man U is the richest club in all the world. I'm talking over the Cowboys, the Yankees, everything. Am I wrong? If they have, if they have any competition, it's probably from either Barcelona or Real Madrid. But I mean, even American teams. Yeah, I'm talking about even. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, I mean that's incredible. I didn't even really know that. They've that been would in be the weeds huge... for a while. They've really like. It, it's, they, it's really hard to explain how much ground they've ceded to their rival city and how much it's just really rankled them and they've just been unable to get... This Ronaldo move well, was supposed to be the crowning goal to get back well, to the Exactly. Game. We talked about that a few shows back and, and, the, and the money they paid him, but I guess they're finding out a 37-year-old Ronaldo is not the Ronaldo they thought they might be getting. Fair enough? No, absolutely fair enough. Some guys near the end of their careers, Messi still looks fantastic and he's obviously... We've, we talked about him... We'll talk about him again here. It sounds like he's going to have his swan song this World Cup. But Ronaldo, they they bought, brought in Ronaldo because they wanted to get back to the Champions League. They were tired of losing ground to City. They were tired of being an afterthought among the big six. And it's just, it, I, if they lose, the, if they don't make Champions League this year, Bernie, if they don't finish top four with seven games to go, not, heads are already going to roll. Might be more heads. You've got commentators and old school United players coming out like calling for house to be cleaned. it's all very right, good, all right good stuff buddy by the way for what it's worth i just heard that ronaldo was reached for comment on the cell phone smashing incident and he said hey man ease up on me i'm just trying to channel my inner russell crow hmm. thank you very much for that folks good night you've been a great audience i'm opening up for shecky green and the catskills next tuesday all right coming up we wrap up the show and I answer the question, are the Oakland A's going to move to Las Vegas? I will explain. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Don't go away. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday and Fox Sports Radio. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Well, we're back on Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. 
Before I go any further, I want to thank my uh, broadcast team back in Los Angeles. That would be Chris Perfett, Eric Kemp, and Kevin Figures on the updates. Great job, guys. Uh, could not do the show without the teamwork, turning all the dials, uh, keeping us glued together. Uh, Kevin and uh, Eric, great job jumping right in on what kind of brand new fool are you and uh, what my name. By the way, before I get to uh, uh, what I shared with you a second ago, having to do with the Oakland A's and their possible, possible relocation in Las Vegas, I'm going to have a very definitive conclusion for you uh, in just a second. But uh, I meant to mention this earlier in the show. You're always hearing about Mattress Mac and these bets he makes out of Houston. Look, Mattress Mac is not a professional gambler he's made a lot of money he's very popular in houston he owns a i think a betting store i joked about him once being his especially his betting and betting right if you get my drift there wow look at that um but they're gimmicks because what he does is he, this is right sort of free advertising for him and and uh if he wins the bet you know you get free furniture and if he doesn't whatever the case may be he finally won uh, I know it seems like a distant memory now, but back uh, last Monday night when Kansas won, Mattress Mac actually cleared, I'm not joking, $12.2 million on the NCAA championship. He bet $3.3 million to win $6.2 on the uh, for Kansas on a futures bet to win the championship. But he also had a Final Four bet, and he had another million-dollar bet at Caesars, and he had an East Region team to win the title. Uh, you know, it, he had a bunch of things, and finally they all added up, and wouldn't you know it, Mattress Mac uh, finally cashes. Okay, good for him. All right, I want to talk about this situation with the Oakland A's, and if, if you are in Oakland, um, you have observed the Raiders not leave your fine city once but twice. You've now observed the Golden State Warriors not only leave well they left Oakland but they went to San Francisco okay so that that's a loss that's no two ways about it they do not want to see a third team go now since gosh I think May of last year there have been a contingent of people in Oakland that have come to Las Vegas to look at land talk about the potential potential of the A's moving Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, said he's on board with the move. No one will block it. No one will vote against it. Uh, ain't going to happen, okay? Uh, yeah, could I at my words? Oh, sure. Uh, you know, anything can happen in the world. Bob Uecker wants hit a home run off Sandy Koufax. That doesn't mean this is going to happen. And by the way, I believe their lease in the Coliseum is still for three more years anyway, so I don't know how quickly they can move. And But here's the kicker. It, it, I've always believed that Oakland's overtures and the A's and their brass coming to Vegas to visit and scope things out, as it were, has, has been nothing more than a leverage play. You've seen the artist renderings for their, they've got this beautiful waterfront project uh, there, and it's really nice looking, and hopefully it comes through for the city of Oakland. I, I don't know that I'm for them moving here. We, we, we've got the Golden Knights, we've got, uh, you know, the Raiders, and, and eventually we could get an NBA team someday. I don't think you're going to see Major League Baseball in Vegas. But let's get back to the Oakland A's because this past week, it took on an interesting turn because the mayor of Oakland, Libby Schaff, 
uh, had some interesting comments about Las Vegas. She, quote, called Las Vegas a gross desert and commented the fact that our architecture looks tacky. Interesting. And how was your day? Uh, our esteemed mayor here, Carolyn Goodman, the wife of Oscar Goodman, the legendary mayor here for years, uh, kind of sort of fired back. Not really. She said, well, maybe you could become one of the 42 million people uh, to come visit our city and, and see for yourself. Uh, of course, her reply was, I, I respect that mayors stick up for the cities, but I'm not apologizing. I'm not backing off of this. Uh, I will take our beautiful uh, coastline and vista that we overlook heading into the bay uh, and everything uh, over this desert, right? Over this crazy desert. Here's the bottom line. I do not think the Oakland will come to Vegas, nor do I think they'll ever be presented such a deal that they would want to come to Vegas. This is what I know for sure. And the, by the way, the, the environmental study that they agreed upon, that they spent several million dollars, that the city council okayed a few months back is ongoing. So uh, there's that. There's also a situation where should the Oakland A's move to Vegas, the deal that the, the deal that they would get is not going to be as good as the deal that Oakland has for the city of Los for the city of uh, for the the Oakland A's in the city of Oakland to stay. Because should the Oakland A's want to come here, they've already stated they're going to want public money to help build that stadium. I will tell you, there is zero incentive, there is zero desire, there is zero appetite for anybody here to provide public money so that the Oakland A's can build a stadium here. There's a couple of other issues at play. Um, we have here what we call sort of the, the strip contingent. If you've ever been to Las Vegas, you head up and down Las Vegas Boulevard in the strip, say between Tropicana and Sahara. Uh, and those are the power brokers. When you look at those casinos, you look at those large buildings, you look at those corporations, look at these massive opulent structures. If they're not on board with something, then it's probably not going to happen in Vegas. And they carry a lot of weight. And the reality of it is, I don't think they're too keen on having 40,000 people sit in a stadium for 81 nights a year where they could be in the casino. So there's that. It's my long-winded way of saying, yes, I, I know that Oakland, the, the A's have looked at Las Vegas long and hard. I think it's more than a, I think it's basically a, a leverage play. Oakland has witnessed two of their teams leave the great city of Oakland, the Raiders, twice and now the golden state warriors to san francisco they don't want to see a third vegas has had two professional teams come here the, Ra the raiders and then the golden knights were born here i don't think we're going to see a third in the oakland a's of course as dennis miller could say that's just my opinion i could be wrong but based on people i've talked to and the fact that the oakland a's would want public money to build a stadium which no one here wants to do i don't think it's in the cards hours away from day four in the masters that's going to do it I'm Bernie Fratto. This is Fox Sports Sunday and Fox Sports Radio. Keep it locked. Up next, Brian No and Andy Furman. 
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.